Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that wants everyone to know that the speed limit is different when you're listening to classic metal on the radio. Especially on the way home. You got that right. <laughs> yes, sir. Crank yeah. it up and stomp it. Yep. I just wish they'd tell the cops that. Yeah. They need to know that. Yeah, they need to turn that old crappy bunch of jibber-jabber off and put on some tunes and roll. Yeah, but officer, I was listening to metal. Oh, you're free to go, sir. Shit, man of war? Go ahead, dude. You're <laughs> Just rock and roll, dude. <laughs> What's going on, man? Uh, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Rocking and rolling, man. Yeah, I'm excited about today. Yeah, we're doing a really, really cool episode, man. Yeah, about like last week, man. Yeah. Wow, how about that? Oh, yeah. Well, it's already come off of that. Yeah. Ooh, crazy story. Mm-hmm. But we're going to try to top it today. We're going to try. Yep. Before we get started, I want to mention our Patreon page we have. Yeah, we knocked the dust off that thing, didn't we? We did. Finally crunk it up. What we have on Patreon is our last episode with Sam Houston interview and Jim... Terry? Yeah. And it's the full unedited version. What you get on all the platforms is uh, a watered-down version, but I put the raw audio on there and there's a lot more information it's about probably what 30 minutes more yeah about 30 minutes longer and what happened was sam he had to go and then uh, jim stayed on the line and uh explained some more things to us about the case and and what was going on and just a little bit more detail into the disappearance right so yeah if you get a chance check out our patreon it's not that bad we're gonna try to post some more stuff on there yeah help support the show we appreciate you man support the show another way you can go to the store page get you some kind of merch t-shirt mug get you something cool blanket yep and if you want to help us too if you want to rate and review us on um, apple podcast that would be wonderful that would help us too if you just want to tell somebody about us that'd be wonderful too that you can do that too or just listen to us everything is beautiful (laughs) just listen to us will help us that's right but we appreciate everybody listening to us. And if you don't want to do nothing, don't do it. We don't care. We're we're happy to have you. We are very happy to have all of our listeners. All right, dude. We're going to get into our story this week. Man, I'm excited. Yeah, this is a little bit different. Just go ahead and tell you, a little bit later in the show, we have a, a guest coming on. His name is Jeremy Sides. Yes. He, he's the Nug, man. Yeah, Exploring with the Nug on YouTube. He is a YouTuber. And uh, he's going to join us a little bit later about a case he solved and the case we're talking about today. That's right. So we're trying to make full circle with this episode. Yeah, we figured we've been doing, you know, a lot of stories and then we've done a couple of interviews. So we're going to do a hybrid show today. A hybrid? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. We've got stories and interviews. Yeah. <laughs> Try to give everybody a little bit of the best of both worlds. And That's right. Here we go. That's right. But today, Dale, we're talking about the disappearance of Aaron Foster and Jeremy Bechtel. That's right. Yeah, they disappeared in Sparta tennessee in april of 2000 sparta yeah sparta heat, heat of the night yeah no i think sparta heat of the night was alabama somewhere down south okay on down south bubba yeah <laughs> bubba would have found him already yeah erin foster she was born on february the 28th 1982 in tennessee and jeremy bechtel was born just a little bit later that year mm-hmm. in the same year of 82 he was in, born in november of 82 but now, Erin, she was described as a Caucasian female, blonde hair, blue eyes, about five foot, eight inches tall, and weighing about 115 pounds. Very beautiful with a really bright smile. Yeah, very cute girl. Mm-hmm. And she had multiple ear piercings. Well, now, now, Jeremy Bechtel, he was a Caucasian male, dark hair, blue eyes. 
And he was described as being about five foot eight inches tall and weighing about 150 pounds. He had his ears pierced too. He had multiple ear piercings <laughs> as well. And he said he was into rap music. Rap music. Yep. And mm-hmm. he would often bust into a song just wherever he was at. He bust out a rhyme. Yeah. Bust, bust some rhymes. <laughs> Do we know if these kids are dating? Are they just friends or kind of both been friends? Going to maybe dating? Don't now, know? everything I've read and heard that they were just friends they've been friends for a long time and other people had said that they became a little bit more than friends well it's about the age you know yeah 17 18 here but they were hanging out quite a bit quite together a bit. Okay. yeah get into aaron and jeremy dale aaron picked up her brother from school this was on a monday afternoon it was april 3rd of 2000 when she got home and this was on a monday and she had asked her mom if she could go out that night even though it was a school night. Her mom said she could, but unfortunately a decision that she would later regret because that was the last time she ever saw Aaron, her daughter. Now, Aaron went to a friend's house where she saw Jeremy, and some said this was a few friends getting together, and others just, they actually referred to it as a party. But either way, it was a get-together. Well, you know. Yeah. (laughs) But it um, it was also never made clear how many people were there. But it was all teenagers, meaning no adults. Yeah, so they was all hanging out. And there's nothing specific saying about what they were doing or what they weren't. Yes. So, But, you know, we've all been teenagers. So. Yeah, we've all been that, down that road. But that evening, Jeremy called his dad, Ronnie Bechtel, to tell him he was with Aaron and some other friends. And it was the last time that Ronnie would talk to his son. Mm. Now, Jeremy and Aaron, they would leave that house together it was around 10 p.m and multiple people saw him getting into aaron's 1988 two-door pontiac grand am and they drove off together okay so they didn't go together or do we know i don't know if they went together or not i've never heard that anywhere but i'm i'm almost thinking they went together to this party okay but they drove off together from the party so either she was going taking him home or going somewhere close yes this was her car and she was driving okay but some of the things that happened next is pretty much a complete mystery right so nobody knows anything after basically they got home from school and went to a party and then disappeared pretty much yeah but when aaron and jeremy were reported missing the date of which that happened is unclear too yeah the investigators first wrote it off as you know them just being runaways yeah because they'd never done anything like that before. and Plus their age, it would, you know, yeah, well, maybe they just took off or something. Being 17, 18 at the time. Get a little wild. Yep. And investigators, they did keep an eye on their Social Security numbers, and both Aaron and Jeremy's parents noted pretty quickly that neither one of them had picked up a paycheck from their job they had. Right, so that would tell me right there they ain't running away. No, they need, if you don't <laughs> run away, you're going to need money. You can at least go get your check. And... Uh, Rhonda, this was Jeremy's mother, said that neither of them had any money and dismissed the runaway theory pretty quick. Right. She probably said the same thing I did. Yeah, exactly. And as time passed, investigators did state that the runaway theory was less and less likely, mm-hmm. but not impossible. And as in the case of you know a lot of unsolved people, especially those with no clues, rumors, and sightings started to circulate. Yeah, you know that's true. Yep. There was a few years later that, after this, there were some tips came in from some sightings 
in Pensacola, Florida. Right. I think it was reported that they, somebody had saw Aaron in Pensacola, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, but Aaron just wasn't a type just to up and run off. No, and I think uh, later it was uh, actually confirmed that it was someone who looked really like her, but definitely was not mm-hmm. her, right? Yep. So. And there were some reports of um, seeing Aaron's car. Mm. But none of that ever panned out. I'm sure there's a lot of those. Yep, but ultimately, the White County, Tennessee, this is a county that Sparta is in. Right. It's kind of between uh, Knoxville and uh, Nashville, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Now, the, the detectives there believed, you know, all this was a lookalike situation and not Aaron. But they still kept an eye on her Social Security number, and she had never renewed her driver's license. Right. Well, this had to be years later if it, for saying that, right? Yeah. We're just sort of hitting the highlights of all this okay. and t- telling well, the story. Well, much more than we know. Yeah. Really, there's not. And another rumor came in that Aaron's ex-boyfriend, uh, his name was Gareth, and there was a lot of chatter around him on like some of the websites, uh, WebSleuth and Reddit, saying that he could have been responsible for this. He was... Kind of a jealous guy or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very controlling of Aaron and didn't want her to do certain things. Right. But they brought him in and he was cooperative, right? And he he passed a lie detector test. Yeah. Even though he had he was known to use drugs and then he made comments about he had buried them two feet above other people or you know, I think he was being very uh, vague and saying stuff like that, but just making people look twice. Mhm. Yeah. And there was even reports of them uh being murdered and put down a well yeah and they were they had uh, several wells in the area that they uh, dug up and was looking for them yeah and in 2019 there was another search for jeremy and aaron that took place when a car was reported in the river mm-hmm. but this vehicle was located and it was not aaron's pontiac grand am so another heartbreak yeah <laughs> and years went by and the family believed that neither aaron or jeremy were alive and they just wouldn't have stayed away that long with no hits on their Social Security numbers or driver's license. And it was believed that Aaron and Jeremy likely died shortly after they left the house that night hmm. from that party on April 3rd of year 2000. Right. Now, the one thing that is repeatedly stated by the locals, that there aren't a ton of water sources around this area. Hmm. But there is a river called the Calf Killer River. Calf Killer River. Yeah. And whoever named that river, they need to let them name other stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I looked it up, and it's actually named after a Cherokee chief, Cherokee chief calf killer. Hmm. So whoever named him should name some other stuff. They should get to name other stuff, yeah. Right. yeah. And I don't know, you know, how they, how they come up with those names, but that one's pretty pretty cool. Yep. But, you know, I found it interesting. I read some places that uh, I think it was Jeremy's family wouldn't let them search their property or anything like that and they wouldn't even donate any, any dna right to put in like a database in case you know they would something was to be found later they could always go back and back check it and see if it fell him if they found remains or something in the woods or wherever you know they wouldn't uh, give up nothing to do that and this kind of hit me as odd too yeah because uh, there's always bodies found that they cannot identify right you know if you got some dna you know you, you can uh knock that down pretty quick yeah especially i mean you got the body you can always back check if somebody's got put something into a database but if you don't have nothing you have nothing right mm-hmm. but they pretty much determined if foul play was involved and someone purposely is trying to hide both aaron and jeremy the car um this could count for no evidence being found mm. and you know it's hard to hide a car oh yeah 
You know, you just can't just <laughs> put it under the bed. <laughs> no, or uh-uh, pull it out behind the barn or something. But do, now, do we know how far um, they lived from where this party was? Do not know. Okay. But they left friends' house together, and no one was said to have followed them as they left. And like we said, it was a school night, and they believed they were both headed back to Sparta to go home. So uh, who could have, you know, intercepted them between the friend's house and their house? Yeah. And I think there's even a theory that maybe it's a drug deal going bad. But come on, man. Yeah. These are kids on school night. I don't think uh, somebody's going to kill two kids and take their car over nothing. Yep, and they were said to be like a, some big, big time something. Yeah, and there were even some uh, thoughts of them possibly running out of gas and the wrong person um, crossed them and done away with them. What they would do with the car? Can't drive it. Yep. <laughs> but you know, they even said that a uh, car like that they could have chopped it up and sold it in parts, and they would have never known what happened to it. That's true, but still would have had to get it somewhere for no gas. Yeah. All right, now there was uh, known to be some serial killers around at the time of their disappearance and one of them was charles brandt he's got to bring in a serial killer oh yeah (laughs) he's a known serial killer from 1971 to 2004 but uh most of his victims resided in florida so he was kind of ruled out and uh, joseph duncan he was a known serial killer active from 1996 to 2005 but he killed young boys and girls mostly on the west coast. So how did these dudes get thrown in our conversation? One's in Florida and one's in Michigan. Yeah, but they were some of them were known to travel outside their, their area and travel long distances to uh, make their kills. In middle of Tennessee, nowhere Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> and just another one, mentioned another serial killer, James David Martin. Hmm. He was active from 1989 to 2005, and he killed women in New York and Pennsylvania. Hmm. But nothing could really link these guys to the what happened to Aaron and Jeremy. So, hmm. so yeah, that's probably not on the list. Kind of odd. Mm-hmm. But Dale, the case went cold, and they couldn't find anything on Aaron and Jeremy. It was like 20 years. Yeah. And then along came a guy named Jeremy Sides. Jeremy Sides. Yeah, he is a YouTuber. He is a adventurer, explorer, finder of missing persons. Apparently so. And he took on this case to see if he could find out what happened to Jeremy and Aaron. Yeah, he sure did. And on uh, November 24th, he was making a video, and I'll be damned if he didn't find them. Yep. He'd uh, been fascinated with this case, and he went up to Sparta. He lives in Georgia now. Mm-hmm. And he went up there and... Um, was uh, in his boat with some sonar, and he found what he thought was a Pontiac Grand Am on the bottom of the river, the, yeah. ca- the Calf Killer River. Anyway, he had talked to a couple of people, gave him some insight on some stuff to go look for, and uh, he made up a plan and headed that way. All right, Dale, we want to welcome Jeremy Sides, Exploring with the Nug. And what can I say about this guy? To me, after researching him and watching his YouTube videos, he is like a... He's a hero, man. He's an Indiana Jones to me. Yeah. I mean, really. I put him right up there with Indiana Jones. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. We're glad to have you, dude. Yeah, pretty awesome. Tell us a little bit of background on you. What got you into exploring? What was your, the little one thing that, hey, I can, I want to explore? I, man, I couldn't even tell you, to be honest with you. It's, it was a long journey, but I think starting out, I've always been very outdoorsy and, uh, always like playing with a camera and 
it started with metal detecting because I, I ended up buying a metal detector and then I started watching some YouTube videos and I was like, man, I wonder if I could break into this this whole YouTube game. And so uh, I just started filming with my phone metal detecting and it was fun and I still got, I still metal detect, but uh, just the heat was just draining me. And so I was like, man, maybe I should just start jumping in the creeks and metal detecting uh, the waters. Yeah. And so it went to creeks, and and then it just went to exploring stuff because I noticed how dirty some of these places I was going to. So I didn't even need a metal detector; I could just look around and find weird stuff. And then it progressed into bigger waters, and then I started snorkeling the rivers, and I did that for a while until I finally got certified. Mm-hmm. And then it just it just went from there. And then I met Jared from Adventures of Purpose, and we was doing the same thing around the same time. And then he uh, started doing cars. And then uh, evolved into missing persons, yeah. and uh, just followed. I followed along as watching his videos, and I started getting into it and learning from him. And then I went solo and solved a couple cases myself, and I figured this is where I, this is where I need to be. It's very cool, very cool. Because I think the the way I learned about you was um, you discovering Jeremy Bechtel and Aaron Foster's car in the river. And yeah, and my co-host, my co-host Dale, sent me the video of that, and watching you and and you pull the license plate off of that man, I got cold chills. Yeah, when I first saw, well, actually, I first discovered it was like on a TikTok. It was very short. It was you calling the sheriff, sitting in your truck, and I'm like, wow. So then I, after I saw that, I still kept digging until I found the whole video, and then I was, that's when I sent it over to Donnie. I'm like, this dude is incredible. <laughs> yeah, and then I went back and yeah. watched. Uh, like all of your videos a ton of them just to find out about you and what you do and all your exploring expeditions so did you have a a, a diving background with the navy or or no i did not i was uh, in aviation worked on planes okay. uh i've always been caught you know i've always played around the water but i wasn't certified till i started you know doing youtube videos mm-hmm so what's some of the craziest things you've discovered diving? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you go in the water and you don't expect to find what you find. What's some of the craziest things that you've found? Oh, man. Well, I think the craziest thing I've ever found to date was a, uh, some dentures that dated <laughs> back around 1900, maybe pre-1900s. Oh, man. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I still got those. That's just, that was just a weird find. And uh, just yesterday... Uh, I was diving the river with a couple of my friends, and we come across a huge um, garbage bag. And at first, I was a little nervous because I'm like, "This is the dimensions were there, so like, man, there could be something bad in this bag." Yeah. But I started ripping it open and realized it was filled up with the most random items, everywhere from medical tools to jewelry, uh, seashells, horseshoes, silverware. It was the weirdest thing. And uh, we couldn't couldn't for like the video won't be out for another week, but for the life of us, couldn't figure out what this was about. The only thing we could think of was maybe it was one of the it was a religious thing, and maybe yeah. somebody passed away and they like did a prayer and put all of his personal belongings in a bag or something. But yeah, there was a lot <laughs> of stuff. I probably posted a couple of pictures of it, but definitely wild. So we ended up taking it out of the water and getting rid of it because it was it wasn't it's like three four feet deep so somebody could easily stomp on it and mm-hmm. take some of that nasty stuff in the foot yeah it wouldn't be good 
Yeah, I think I saw a, uh, an Instagram you posted this, uh, not too long ago. You found a, a Tiffany's silver plate under a bridge. Oh, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, I'm thinking that was stolen. They were it was personally embroidered. Yeah. And it just that has me thinking whoever stole it, they couldn't do anything with it because it was embroidered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they probably get caught. So they just threw it over over the bridge. Yeah. Right. Found that plate. And in the same spot, I found a World War II rifle on a different dive. But I remember it was the same spot because there's a chopped up motorcycle in the same area. Oh, man. Dump spot. Do you ever go in the water and expect to find a body or anything like that? Does that does that cross your mind when you're in there? It does now more often because of what I'm like I do with most of my time, like mm-hmm. searching for missing people in cars. Yeah. I know there's a possibility that one of these days I might come across a, a body or bones. So like it's in the back of my mind, especially when I swim up on a large garbage bag. I'm like kind of mentally preparing myself for the worst. Yeah. But it hasn't happened yet, but there have been bodies found in the same bodies of water that we've been swimming in. Mm. So like they were there, we just didn't come across them. And then like a week later, all of a sudden somebody finds a body in the river. I'm like, man, we was just there. We just didn't see it. Yeah. So, uh, when you guys get ready to go out, how do you determine where you go? I know you said, uh, did you look on uh, the Charlie project, but how do you determine which ones you think you're going to go on? Kind of give us a little insight on your, your planning here. Well, we do get a lot of tips now ever since, uh, ever since the Jeremy, the Bechtel, Aaron Foster and Jeremy case, um, that boosts my channel and now I could get lots of attention. So I get lots of Facebook messages, you know, people asking for help and, uh, we try to help out everybody. Uh, 90% of the cases are one in a million shot. Right. But Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're around the area, you can make it happen. You know, sometimes we'll just go out looking for bones and uh, sometimes we're looking for cars. Sometimes they're not even in the water. I'm starting to starting to venture off a little bit where somebody went missing going hiking. So like I try to I'm gonna try to help out the best I can. But literally all we're doing is trying to retrace their steps and see if we can come across them. Right. But now um, the Jeremy the car that's not the first one you found. You found several before this, haven't you? So- well, we found found tons of cars everywhere, but. Um, the first person that I found missing was a, an old lady um, in Tennessee also in a neighboring town. And um, it was suspected suicide, but she was been in the water for 17 years right off the bank, mm. right there in town. And I found her. And then I guess it was it was like maybe three weeks later, I, I ended up finding the, uh, the, the teenagers. Right. So when you find a car like that, do you ever look inside or you just do the tag and call authorities? I mean... Because I was curious when I was watching, you, can, the, you know, when they, they pulled the, the Aaron and Jeremy car out, you know, because it goes basically from you doing that to pulling the car out and all the windows are, bur- are bursted out. And it's like, what happened in between there? Well, that... Uh, the reason that I got that question a lot, it wasn't the best recovery process and I didn't have anything to do with it. Right. But looking back, maybe I should have helped. But uh, when they was pulling that car out, they uh, they flipped the car upside down and busted all the windows out. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, yeah, when they pulled the car out, they had to go back the next day and, like, comb the river to make sure they got all the um, remains mm. from the teachers because they lost some in the river. Wow. Yeah. 
putting that in the video. I didn't want him to make him look too bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like how when uh, you call the sheriff and he goes, don't call anybody else, and then he shows up and he makes a call and goes, yes, we've found the car. And I'm like, wait, no, we do this. <laughs> I think Jeremy found the car. Yeah, there's that. I heard a lot of from that sheriff, after, like from the locals that live in that county. Uh, you know, he doesn't sound like he's liked too much, but he keeps getting voted into office. But yeah, <laughs> I noticed he was telling people that he uh, guided me on where to look, and he told me I was looking in the wrong spot, and uh, that was all false. Like yeah. the first time I ever spoke to that guy was on the phone when I called him and told him I found him. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, I heard today uh, that actually somebody was looking in 2019 in basically the same uh, river where you found a car. How close was that car that they found in the one that you actually found? Do you know? Somebody had done. Which, uh, which case was that? The same case. That, but somebody had looked for a car in 2019 and they had actually found a car, but it wasn't the correct one. And I was wondering how close that one was to the actual, the real, the Grand Am. Oh, that. Uh, no, that was in a different body of water. That was out of the lake. Yeah, okay. So, like, they said they searched the river, but not, like, the whole river. So, like, only the, the boat ramp. But oh, okay. my theory behind it was if there was any place, like, a one in a million shot that a car could crash, I want to look. So, I just ended up starting at the boat ramp and just started cruising the whole thing. And then right where that where there's a curve on the road, you know, that's where I found them. So I was like, there probably was no guardrail there back in 20 years ago. So they just drove right off the road. Nobody saw it. Wow. How sad, man. You know, I had so many questions going into this. Yeah. You know, when we do research for cases and you know, we do a lot of true crime and we look at weather forecast or weather conditions from previous years. Do you happen to know what the weather was that night that Jeremy and Aaron uh, went off the bank into the river? Did you go back I, that far? I, I, um, I couldn't tell you for sure, but I think I heard that it was a rainy night, so the roads could have been slick. Yeah. Right. And them leaving a the party, you never know. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, because they was, they was the same age as me. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, wow. I know how I was when yeah. I was, you know, back in the in 2000. You yeah. know, I drove like a bat out of hell. So, yeah. Yeah. Rain they might have just cool. been out loving life and they just lost control of their car. Right. Mm -hmm. When you, um, decide to do a case or look for a missing person what is the criteria you use to to say hey i'm gonna look for john doe here or i'm gonna look for sally doe over here what what do you base all this on you know as far as deciding on which person you're gonna look for i personally don't really have much criteria it's just my skill level yeah. like if somebody missing and like the like the hiking aspect of it I don't have any special skills that anybody else, you know, couldn't do. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to water, you know, like I'm, I'm really good at staring at the sonar and uh, scuba diving. So, like, I have I have those skills. So, mainly, like, if it's water-related somebody went missing in their car, uh, yeah. I don't have a criteria, but definitely if it's water-related, I tend to steer that way. Okay. Because I just have more skills and gear to help me look in water. I just didn't know if it was something like a, a real old case and you didn't think it would be fruitful for you to, to go looking for this person. I just didn't know if that would, but stuff like it would cross your mind when you would decide to go look for someone. You, like the, the older cases are harder, but we went, we just recently went to uh, Pennsylvania to search for a gentleman that went missing in 1965. And, uh, it was another one of those stories, you know, he left work, he was going home, lived two miles, two, two and a half miles away and vanished. 
Hmm. And, you know, it's, this town is surrounded by, you know, two big rivers. So me and Adam went there for a couple of days searching the rivers. We found a couple cars. Wasn't him, you know, but it was still worth a shot because if he did end up in the river, we might be able to see his truck. But that long ago, chances are it's, it's rusted away. Well. Yeah. Have you talked to uh, Jeremy Bechtel's parents or uh, Aaron Foster's uh, living relatives? Have you talked to any of them? Have they reached out to you after discovering them? They did reach out. We, we've chatted over emails, uh, never met each other face to face or on the phone or anything. It just uh, it just never happened. But they did reach out and you know write me some emails, tell me how thankful they were that I could bring them some closure. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty cool, man. So, have you ever had any scary moments down there? Uh, couple, but it's mainly just like a, if my only problem is if I ever have an adrenaline dump underwater, like if something startles me, right? You start breathing too fast, you know, underwater. It's it, you'll you'll start hyperventilating, but uh. Not really. Usually, I try just just chill and stay calm. I've gotten really good at it now. You know, mm-hmm. I even dive in like you know zero visibility water. So it's just, I guess, just staying calm. But no real big scares yet. Just a couple, couple um startles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We were watching that video, and you, you have you must have a really nice sonar and some other stuff because when you uh, when you went over that Grand Dam, dude, <laughs> and you could just tell exactly what it was. I bet you had a a really big rush right then, didn't you? Oh yeah, I was, I was all but a hundred percent that I knew that was them, just because like the, that sonar shot was perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. You, the car is a unique shape, so I was like this. I was confident when I was about to dive. That was just a formality, cause, like I knew that was them. Yeah, yeah. I was watching your video and I saw the sonar. You know the the Grand Am with the squared off front and the squared off back end. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's a Grand Am. I mean, there's no question about it. Yeah, that was. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So then you go, well, I got to wait and come back tomorrow. How hard is that to have to wait and come back tomorrow? <laughs> it was it was pretty tough because I, I camped out in my van, like at like Walmart parking lot. And, uh, yeah, I just laid there thinking the whole night. I was like, man, I can't wait. And, like, the first, like, the second the sun rose, I was already out on the river. <laughs> so it was like, the sun wasn't even up yet. And I was already setting the boat up, ready to go dive. <laughs> I'll bet so that was incredible when you came up and you said man they're going home it just gave me so many chills I was like this this dude is amazing now, yep. now when you were looking for Jeremy and Aaron I mean you searched a couple other places what yeah I actually started on the like opposite side of because like the the word was like what I've been hearing is uh, they left a party and uh, they like this part, this house where this party was at was like smack dab in the middle of a lake, and then the the town in Tennessee, Sparta. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided to go look in the lakes first, and uh, I ended up finding a car in the lake and dove on it, and it wasn't theirs. And then uh, I got in touch with one of her, um, a friend of theirs, and uh, on Facebook, and we we chatted back and forth, and she said, you know, you should go check out these spots. We used to go there when we was young to party. And I was like, all right. So like, that's what like the, the, the video where I found them, the first two locations was spots where like Jeremy would go fishing and where like a bunch of kids would go camp out and drink beer. And when I didn't find them there, I was like, well, I'll go into town and start searching the river. And that was my last spot. I was like, if I don't have, if I can't find them here, I don't know where they're at. And that's yeah. where I found them. Wow. 
So I've got a question. When you, you say you find a lot of cars, is there a reason that they don't ever pull these cars out? Are they too hard to get them in there? They just don't worry about it? Is there not like a environmental impact, I guess, which is probably long gone by the time you find them? But it's kind of odd to me that you find so many cars that are never pulled out. It's it's hit or miss depending on where we're at. Um, it it I cost the city their city a lot. Like I think one guy quoted me. He's like he's like it costs us ten grand to get a car out of the river after it's all said and done. Oh wow! You know with wages and hazard pay and then the tow truck and all that stuff. So a lot of places just can't afford it. So if, if the car is not linked to a missing person or stolen or some kind of crime, they'll they'll either leave it or they'll use it as like a training day for their dive teams and remove it. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. There's like a lot of places won't do it. So like we're, we've actually invested, uh, in our own tow truck. So when we find these cars, um, if they're not, if they're not a missing person car and there, we just find a junk car, we're going to start pulling them ourselves and then call the police. Uh, so now we have it out of the the water and, uh, I don't know how that's going to work. Like, I don't know if they'll be happy or not, but we're still going to do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Ask uh, for forgiveness later. Go ahead and do it and ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it doesn't belong in the water. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, it's just oil, gas, plastic. Right. Like, that's what just, I, yeah, what I was thinking, yeah. So you yeah. call up the cops and say, hey, we just pulled this car out of the river. Come and get it. We're going and that's, what the, that's what some cops have told us. Like, well, our investigation starts when you call us. So... Technically, I'm not breaking any rules. That's I'm true. just pulling a piece of trash out of the river. This is true, yeah. So if you find, like, uh, guns and stuff, do you call authorities right away to, like, if you just happen to run across a handgun or something while you're searching? Uh, I used to. We don't really call anybody anymore unless you can see serial numbers on the guns. Hmm. If they're just if they're just rusted away, There's um, no point, right? cops can't do anything with them anyways. And they've actually told us, like, if you can't see any serial numbers, don't bother calling us because there's nothing we can do. Oh, wow. Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess it makes sense in, the, in a way. Yeah. I got a pile of old guns sitting here at the house that I could never <laughs> turn in because I knew there's nothing they could do with it. Yeah. So I made mantle pieces out of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So are you still in Georgia? That's where you're from? Yeah. I live north of Atlanta. Okay. Okay. We're just, we're just a couple of North Carolina boys. It was about four hours up the road there. Oh, yeah. I got... Uh, I got a couple of buddies in North Carolina, and Adam lives up in South Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've so, got some. We drive, go ahead. I so said we drive all over the place, though. So. What's the furthest you've ever had to you've ever went to look for a missing person? Uh, this summer I went all the way to Idaho. Okay. And then we made our way back, working cases all along the way. When you guys go together, do you guys go in that same small little boat, or do you both take? Is it like dual boat searching, or what? You do it different ways depending on the case. Well, we have a bass boat now that uh, a viewer donated to us. So <clears throat> we usually go out on that and run sonar in it all day and then uh, kind of use it as a just like a, a mobile station. So like, if we find a car, we'll have all our dive gear with us, and we'll just throw an anchor and dive the car and see what it is and then go from there. Oh, yeah, that's pretty smart. And mm-hmm. it's pretty cool for somebody to donate to you. Yeah. yeah. So does uh, diving have to be involved when you go for looking for a missing person, or do you uh – take on any cases of you know where there's not diving involved uh i mean i i will take on a case um but most of the time uh i want to include diving because uh i don't know it's fun the experience you know then 
people like watching the underwater footage of diving on cars. Yeah, I but, get it. So is, yeah. it, is this what you guys do full time now, or do you have another uh, another gimmick going? Or I guess full time. Been full time for uh, over a year, maybe a couple of years now. Oh, what an awesome job! Yeah, <laughs> very very jealous. Yeah, well, cool. It this? took a while. It took about five years of running, pretty much doing YouTube and working a full time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was definitely it was it was trying. But about five years later, it got to the point where I was like, maybe I could make this work right yeah this place we've been doing a podcast for about two and a half years so we got we got <laughs> we got just maybe what yeah. two and a half more years to go <laughs> yeah i mean just find something that people want to listen to and it'll grow yeah yeah we do a lot of true crime missing persons uh unsolved stuff so. it's a hot it's a um yeah hot niche right now yeah, we really have a lot of fun doing it, especially when we get to talk to people like you, man. It makes it all worth it. It's really yeah. cool. Because, hell, you got, what, 423,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel and 40 million views, almost 41. It's pretty good, pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's still it's still hard to process because I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I've never been – I never thought I'd get that big, to be honest with you. But once uh, – once I found the teenagers, like the channel, it's like that was the defining moment where I know, like, okay, I could make this work financially because the channel like quadrupled in size in a month. Mm-hmm. Wow! So I was like, okay, well that that helped. <laughs> yeah, being the hero of White County. <laughs> no, I, have you been back up there? Because I noticed in the video you went back and you placed one of your coins there at the spot where they were found. Have you been back up there, or is that the last time you went to White County? Uh, I've been up there a few times. Um, I didn't let anybody know, you know, but there there's a cluster of missing people in Tennessee around that county. Uh, so, like, I'm always in that area a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've covered several missing people from from up in Tennessee, that area. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, it's just unreal, the amount we've yeah. done. Yeah. Right. It's weird. It's like in that county, too, there's a cluster of missing people. And it makes me worried because I've heard rumors, you know, that, the the police department's corrupt and you know so like i don't want to step on anybody's feet and end up missing myself so like i tend to go under the radar and don't let anybody know i'm in town smart but <laughs> very, very, very smart yeah yeah i don't want to get i don't want to become another missing person <laughs> i'm just a guy showing up with a boat yeah that's it oh so, yeah but the- now like if i go there like when i went there and i stopped by the little memorial they set up cop drove by and he stopped and recognized me so i was like well I guess I better hide my face. <laughs> but he was nice. He was cool. He was just like, oh, you did a good job. And I was like, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. That was awesome. So where are you headed to next, Jeremy? What uh, What's on your future? What's on the future for Jeremy? Well, we got, we got the tow truck. And we haven't made any videos with it yet. So I think we are going to go um, somewhere close. But I think we're going to go to Tennessee next, back up where I found um, – the old lady that I found missing mm-hmm. because that river still has a bunch of cars in it. And so we're going to start pulling the cars out and seeing if we can, um, figure out the story of these cars. Like for instance, there's an old sixties model GTO underwater right there. And I think it'd be fun to pull it out and then hose it out to see if we can find any personal belongings in it. And right. then kind of piece together a story on why the car ended up in the river. Well, that's cool. Yeah, could, like tell a story in retrospect. You know, find the car and go backwards. Yeah, yeah. 
little more fun with it and because i don't think anybody's doing that like i don't think anybody owns their own tow truck (laughs) (laughs) no uh -uh, not that i know of yeah that'd be pretty cool i know a guy but he's not diving i can't guarantee that (laughs) Uh -uh. that'd be fun yep yeah definitely well jeremy we appreciate you being on the show today um we'd like to send you some stuff maybe a t-shirt and some other stuff if you don't mind yeah absolutely i'd love to love to have it yeah We'll send you a shirt. Um, I think Dale's been chatting with you. We'll, uh, we'll get you information. He'll, if you don't mind sending him your shipping address, and we'll send you some goodies out and all that. And when uh, on our show notes, we'll put a link to your YouTube channel and your website and in the show notes and everything to give you some credit and uh, give you more exposure and attention to what you do. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. Because, yeah, when Dale showed me your video of finding Jeremy and Aaron, man, I, yeah, I was – starstruck i mean we got to get this guy on the show you know we got to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit about what he does awesome i hope i can hope i can keep going yeah find some more people all right we just uh had a big interview with exploring with the nug jeremy sides man we appreciate you dude thanks for your time brother no problem i appreciate it i'll be in touch all right dale again we want to thank jeremy sides for being on the show yeah thanks for your time man man, because you know he is a big time youtuber yeah yeah big time tons of followers lots of stuff going on lots of adventures he's going on and we appreciate him being on the show and taking a little bit of time to tell us what he does and um just a little bit of background on the jeremy yeah that was a fun fun interview you know wasn't a detailed kill to death on everything a little bit of everything and it was really cool to hear what he does and how he does it and and what he does is is pretty damn cool to go in there and solve the 20 year old cold case to let people know what happened you know after all that stuff and Everybody theorizing about all this craziness. And it was just simply a case of something either lost control or who knows what, but they were right there the whole time. Yeah, right there under their nose. Mm-hmm. Just like at 10 to 13 feet of water right off the road. Yeah. Wow. Great story, man. I'm glad we could make full circle on this one. And, um, and if you haven't seen the video, go watch it right yeah, now. Yeah, the episode link and the link to his website will be in the show notes and we'll put it on our socials too yes very much all right dale we are going to get out of here let's roll we want everyone to be safe be careful and always be aware of your surroundings because the next episode could be about you this is the crack Crack house House Chronicles. chronicles